Oh, okay. Thank goodness, we had two good episodes in a row. I was starting to get worried there. But, it's okay. We're back to Enterprise. <laughs> this isn't actually a bad episode. I mean, I, I would say that a decent chunk of Enterprise isn't bad. But it is kind of... Okay. Like, I'm never going to rewatch this episode. We're done here, right? This apparently was inspired by ju uh, Judgment, the intended ending of Judgment. That makes sense. When you sit down and you break episodes, you, you kind of do it in a big bundle. So it makes sense that that would happen, even though that episode comes out two episodes after this one. But I bring that up because you ever have an idea, and it's just a vague idea, and you're like, that'd be cool. And then, have any of you ever been at that state where you've tried to sit down and make that idea happen, and all you had was, that'd be cool? If I could use game development as, an, uh, as, as a parallel here, there's something I call concept games. Now, concept games are exactly what they sound like. It's a cool concept, and they just want to do something neat with it, right? Now, I'll give you a freebie, because I came up with this one just yesterday. Imagine there's a game where your job is to run around trying to, uh, for whatever reason, you know, maybe you're a farrier to the afterlife, maybe you're a necromancer, whatever, but you're trying to go around finding all the dead souls. And so you're exploring the world, and you have like a radar which will light up the terrain based on how many dead people are in that specific spot. And there's just little stuff you could do with that. Mostly it would be a narrative-driven game on top of that. Because, you know, you'd go and you'd, you'd be like, and you'd be like, why did you die? What happened? And and so, you know, and I would, if I was making this game, I'd reach out and contact a whole bunch of different writers and say, hey, could you do me a favor and submit a short story basically writing someone's death? And I'll write that death into this game. Now, if you're paying attention, there's not a lot of depth there. That's my point. Not a lot of complexity. This isn't a 60-hour game or even a 25-hour game, to use the two major standards of game design. This is a concept game. So it's just kind of, you know, a neat little idea, but doesn't really have the depth to have staying power. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, per se. But that brings us to television. If you have a neat concept but nothing to do with it, if you don't really have a way to flesh it out or work with it, then what we have is this episode. If you're paying attention, there's actually four concepts in this episode, and none of them get any kind of cooking time. I, I would argue that there's plenty of meat to work with here. They just didn't, for whatever reason. So, let's start off right off the beginning with my first complaint. Is anybody else's copy of this episode audio desynced just a little bit? Less than a second, less than half a second. And it, but I tend to notice things like that since audio syncing is something I do in my job. So, you know, I was just like, wait a second. And it was just weird the whole way through. I'm watching on the Blu-rays for reference, so that's the specific copy here. First time I've noticed it so far going through uh, TOS or Enterprise. Anyways, so we start off and we have the teaser. Now, I've talked about the cold open since all the way back nine years ago, ten years ago from your perspective in Voyager, when I first started really doing the Voyager videos, right? The cold open, there's a lot uh, of design into that. There's a lot of thought, there's a lot of mentality, there's a lot of strategy with how you design the cold open, because you want to gain people's attention. You want to get a hook in, so that people care about the rest of the episode. Either because they're sitting down and binging it on Netflix, or because they're flipping through channels, or because they're sitting down and they want to watch an episode of a show that they like. For even into the modern era, there is a reason to do the cold open. There's a reason to do the hook. And it's not as important as it used to be because flipping through channels isn't really a thing anymore. But at the same time, it kind of is. 
I actually know two people personally, and I asked them about this before doing this rumination, who do this same thing. Instead of just flipping through the channels, uh, what they will do is they will go down the recommended list on in Netflix, in, in their case specifically, but there's several, obviously. And they'll be like, okay. And they'll watch the first 30 seconds of an episode to see if they're interested in it. And if they're not, then they'll put it away. It needs to hook them. So it is still an applicable skill, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, obviously, that's just one reason. The other two reasons are obviously valid. So the hook here is dumb, to put this as bluntly as I possibly can. Because what it is, is there's a shuttlecraft, and Toshi is trying to hail the shuttlecraft. Okay. Now, that's not dumb in its own right, except for the fact that they're right there. They're right in front of the thing. They're in visual range. They could have already docked with the sucker, and Hoshi is hailing it repeatedly over and over. That's the kind of thing that probably should have happened uh, possibly a light year or two, depending on their comm ranges that way. Narratively speaking, this is not the... They're not at the... They are past the... Is anyone there? Stage. They are now at the looking in and seeing the empty cockpit stage. You'll notice they actually do that. Then they say biosigns. None. Cut to credits. Now, this is the second reason why this is stupid. Because they specifically mention that the captain's supposed to be on the shuttle pod. So, Archer's not dead. <laughs> now, you could argue that's not the point. But my point is, there's no intrigue here. There's no engagement. None. And, what is it, three minutes and 30 seconds in, they confirm that Archer's alive on the prison ship. So that, that mystery's torpedoed. <sighs> so, leads me to the third reason this is stupid. These people, who are apparently extremely uh, lawful neutral, is how I'm going to say that to be nice, have decided to, or lawful evil actually might be more accurate, have decided to you know, impound and arrest people en masse. Because smuggling, because they, they, they have a lot of trade, and so they have lots of smugglers and thieves, so they crack down excessively, because excessive cracking down has always worked historically. And uh, that's the, how they deal with that situation. Hey! There's our first topic we could talk about. The episode doesn't. How you preventative measure, because there's, there's reactionary measures, there's preventative measures, right? How you try to prevent this kind of en masse thievery is a whole topic. There, there are entire theses, theses that have been done over the years by people who are far smarter and more cognizant of the situation than I am about this exact topic and about what you can do about it from the microscopic scale, like, say, at a Walmart, to the macroscopic scale at the national level, dealing with smuggling, dealing with piracy, dealing with thieves, and how you try to prevent that from happening. And, of course, I'm not even talking about the punishment side. This is purely the preventative measure things. Then we immediately bring up the second topic, the reactionary measures. What have you done now that you have a problem? Okay, well... We have been discussing how exactly we should punish people, or if we should punish people, or if we should rehabilitate people, or how we rehabilitate people for centuries. Justice, I hate to even use that word since it's so misapplied, and the nature of how exactly you deal with criminal matters, large and small, is a huge topic that this episode doesn't cover at all. Two topics gone. Okay. 
But the third reason, since I never finished that sentence, the third reason that this is stupid is these super lawful evil types who capture and imprison people because <laughs> decided to just leave the, the shuttle pod floating in space. Sure they did. I'm not even going to get into the fact that it's, you know, twisting around as if let's just ignore that for a moment. Because, and you're probably thinking, well, shouldn't it do that? Ships only do that in Star Trek when they're abandoned. It's like the moment someone walks off the ship, the ship just kind of goes, wait, wait. Yeah, there we go. I can relax. Like, you ever have a long day at work and you're just like, oh, I can relax at last. That's what ships do in Star Trek. The moment the people leave the ships, it's just, oh, we saw this back in TNG Genesis and many, many, many other times. It's very common. It's, it's, I'm not actually complaining about it. It's just funny because that's visual shorthand is what that is. That's, this ship has been abandoned and we show it spinning quietly in space to show that it's abandoned. I'm with it. Moving on. So, and again, I'm not actually making fun. It's just, it's just amusing to me. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so we've got two topics we're not talking about. Let's see what else here. They've got prisoners that don't have a trial. Okay, that's a third topic we're not talking about. Um, to Paul is like hi, and then she's gone. And they find out, you know, we have a terrible issue with thieves and smugglers. I already kind of mentioned that. We'll cycle back to that in just a second. Then they offer generic food to everyone. How do they know that food isn't biologically incompatible with them? I hate to praise Mass Effect, but Mass Effect's amazing. And one of the tiny little tidbits I always liked about it, Mass Effect 2 in particular went into this, was the fact that certain creatures of certain species needed certain base sequences of food in order to eat because they were biologically different. Now I know this is Star Trek where everyone's a human with prosthetics. But my point is, different flavors and preferences and, and allergies exist, right? But no, here's some food. Enjoy. It almost would amuse me. Ah, that's the wrong word. It would almost be more interesting if they give out this generic food knowing that there are certain members of their of the species who they have interred who are biologically incompatible with it. And so those people have a choice. Eat poison to have something or starve to death. Now, that sounds horrible, but we're going full dystopian. We might as well embrace it, right? I mean, in the very next scene, the guy shocks the Nausicaan, and Tucker says, thanks. To which the guy shocks Tucker. We're in a dystopia. I think we could embrace it. This is also when we find out that these are the bad guys. Now, I've talked about this concept before, right? Villains, you know, people, nuance, yeah. All that gets thrown away. When I say the phrase bad guys, I mean capital B, capital G. And I've talked about this before. They are, there, there's no de debating this. There's no arguing it. There's usually something done narratively to shorthand the fact that they are the bad guys, like the thing that happened with Tucker. So um, these are acceptable targets at this point, which is funny because we bother to save their lives, which leads me to my next weird complaint, because... The scene has T'Pol being like, hey, maybe you can help? And the guy's like, oh, I'm, an uh, I'm an obstructive, or sorry, obstinate. Not obstructive. It's very rare we encounter actual obstructive bureaucrats. I talk about that in the TOS stuff. No, this is an obstinate bureaucrat. So, okay, there's the arc that T'Pol's going to have to go through, right? Trying to force the local government to help. Very next scene with them, the government is, the government official is not only helping them, but acting like his, his, Physical direction 
Like his body language is someone who is like, oh, I'm so sorry. That we'll do everything in our power to help you. Please, please forgive me. Like he's kowtowing almost the entire time. Not literally, but metaphorically kowtowing the entire time. And I'm just sitting there going, what did you do to Paul? Okay, you could turn that into a joke if you want. But while we're on the subject, it would be interesting if the Vulcans brought political weight behind this, wouldn't it? Think about it. The Vulcans are definitely one of the bigger kids on the block, especially compared to these dunkos. So, and this once again ties back into the back in the neighborhood thing, Sector Zero Zero One idea. So maybe it's entirely possible that the Vulcans actually did bring some political weight behind this, specifically because of the fact that they're getting closer to their human allies. And you can see how this could tie in. None of it does. This isn't referenced even one tiny little bit. I paid attention, but it's interesting to think about. Not that the episode did. So, um, that's all sorted. But no, hang on, hang on. You ever see this movie called Con Air? I actually like Con Air. It's probably my favorite Nicolas Cage movie. But um, <laughs> that's basically what happens. All right, we're letting you loose. And then prison break. And then now we've got to deal with the problem again. The problem was resolved, but now we have a new problem and we're right back to square one. Okay. Mark Rolston. Play plays the main villain of this one. He's also a bad guy. He hasn't been established as one yet. I'll get to that in a second. Because he plays someone uh, who is... Uh, well, we'll talk about his character in a minute. But I just wanted to comment on this, because Mark Ralston always tends to play these kind of characters, doesn't he? Back in TNG, he played the weirdly creepy killer guy. You remember that? In the episode that's otherwise completely forgettable. I'll always remember him from Babylon 5, where he played... A serial killer. Because he's really good at that type of role. Now, I want you to keep that in mind, okay? Just just remember, serial killer. Alright, so... <clears throat> Archer tries to lie to him. And this leads to a part of the episode, and I'm like, oh, the episode's gonna be clever! It's gonna be great! Because what happens is Archer uses the comm unit to send out a signal. Now, serial killer man is so unaware of the controls of a people he presumably shares the same species with, and has probably been around these things for a while, and probably has at least some of this plan out, since he had this plan out to the tiniest detail, but whatever. The point is, he probably is at least partially aware of this, but no. What instead happens is he smashes the, the, the control panel in order to disable the transmitter, right? Because that's how that works, right? If I was to smash my monitor right now, my computer would just stop functioning. This is amazingly common in fiction. It is astonishing to me how often this will happen. Now, I'm being facetious a little bit, but this kind of thing has happened in Star Trek before, and in science fiction in general, but this happens in modern day fiction. There are times when someone will, like, to make a dramatic point, they'll shoot the monitor. That's right, now all the data's destroyed. No, it's not, you idiot. You just shot the monitor, you moron. And I thought the episode was going to be clever, because then it cuts to the Enterprise, and they're like, we're receiving a distress call. And I was just being like, ah nice. No, the distress call cuts off. Apparently, smashing the monitor really did smash it. In the interest of fairness, like, almost every complaint I have about this episode really could be explained away. Over on the TOS stuff, I talked about hoops. Um, one of the things I've started doing, I started codifying, is the idea of how many hoops you have to jump through to justify or explain something, right? And less hoops better, more hoops worse, right? Most of the things in this episode, you only have to jump through one or two hoops in order to explain them. But the problem is you have to do that constantly. 
And that's why I just, that's the second reason why this episode is just dragging on me. The first reason is that it's boring. And the third reason is the fact that it has some cool concepts it does nothing with, but I'll get, I've already kind of covered that point. So, sure, fine. That doesn't work out. This then leads to the episode um, basically having padding in the form of trying to do comedy with John, Sean Whelan. No, no, or Sean Whelan, excuse me. I think I've got it wrong. I, that's the actor's name. I don't remember the character name. It's the guy who's got, got the fish stuff, stuff under his thing. And he's, oh, you know, there's this time when I was going to go to the thing. And I'm just going to have this fun. It's going to be so good. And you have to punch down. And then the things, the, the flavor explodes. And he's just talk, 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 talk. I wouldn't know anything about that. What irritates me is it's, it's sitcom humor. Hey, here's someone who's talkative. Isn't that annoying? Isn't that funny how annoying that is? And that's it. That's the arc. That, that I just summarized all of those scenes for you. That is the entirety of it. They could have done something with that. Maybe have this bit where the guy ends up deciding to help out the serial killer because, you know, he figured that Tucker wasn't on his side and therefore he lost his, his opinion. So Tucker could have reflected on his choices and maybe he should have been nicer to the guy because the guy was obviously terrified and just trying to cope with it in his own way. Or maybe the episode, maybe you don't even have to go that far. Maybe just the guy was trying to cope with terrifying, horrific situation that he was in. And maybe he's, you know, is trying to, uh, accommodate that's that or maybe he was just nervously blundering off or maybe he was basically in the middle of a panic attack who knows but no instead it's funny because he's so annoying isn't it great how bad of a cook neelix is and yes this is that exact same joke no offense to sean whalen he actually does a good job with his role in this but the role itself is bleh. Which, I suppose this is a good time to mention that at the 23-minute mark, the big question of the hook is answered. What happened to Archer and crew? Uh, well, they said, hi, I'm a starship captain. And they were like, oh, yeah, sure you are. Up against the wall, buddy. Cop joke. We're walking. We're walking. And I suppose that's the fourth, fifth topic we could talk about here. Over-aggressive and overzealous cops who are abusive, but as usual, the episode doesn't even touch on that. It's just the cops are the bad guys. Capital B, capital G. We're moving on. <sighs> okay. There's this little bit where the episode comes inches from an actual topic. Again, this is actually topic five, if you're paying attention now. And... It's criminal mentality and why bother? Now, I don't know how this works in other countries, because I haven't really been outside of the States in my life. But here in the States, if you get arrested for something, uh, that's a stain. Now, I want to be clear about this. If you get arrested for something, that's, that is actually a completely different thing than convicted. Arrested is like step three in this process, okay? Step one is accusation, which may come from a person or a camera footage or whatever. And then step two is investigation. And then step three is arrest. Probable, probable cause, right? Which is, if you've looked it up, incredibly easy to justify. All a cop has to say is, well, I think they were speeding. And that is all that is necessary. That is all that is legally required to arrest someone. It's really low bar on purpose so that people can be then processed. Because, again, that's the beginning of the process. I'm actually okay with that right there, the fact that it's easy to arrest someone. What I'm not okay with is the fact that arresting is the black mark. There are people who will treat you differently, who will act weirdly around you, simply by virtue of the fact that you have been arrested. 
Then you go through about 15 other steps, and over here is conviction. Now, I'm, I'm skipping ahead here, because that was the first thing I wanted to comment on, the arrest part. But the conviction part, well, let's say you're convicted. Well, now you're screwed, because your life is over. <laughs> you're going to have a harder time getting a job. You're going to have a harder time getting a place to live. And you're going to have a harder time doing anything to make either of those things better to do. doesn't matter the, the offense, by the way. It doesn't matter which criminal thing you've done. In actual criminal justice here in the United States, there's actually tiers, which you may or may not be aware of, uh, of both... Uh, um, oh my God, I can't say... Uh, um, misdemeanors, there we go. There's tierings of misdemeanors, and then there's tierings of felonies, right? And what the way it's supposed to work is all of this is, you know... You you do something, you do your time, and then you, you come back, right? You come back into uh, society and go back to living your life. That's the intent, or at least that sounds like the intent to me. The problem is, what actually happens is someone will do a check on you, a criminal background check. And those criminal background checks don't return a gradient. They don't return a, a scale. They return a yes or a no. Oh, you'd like to get a loan? Hmm, I don't know. It looks like you're a convicted criminal. Oh, you want to rent this place? Hmm, I don't know. It looks like you're a convicted criminal. You see the problem. The reason I bring this up is because, is because this is a very obvious and very serious issue, and it leads to a thing where there are plenty of demonstrable uh, evidences of people who will get arrested, get convicted, and then their life is over, so they turn to crime either because they want to live in prison or jail because they don't have to worry about room and board and anything because there are people like that who just, yep, yeah, screw it. Or, and of course they couldn't get anything else. I'm not blaming them, by the way, to be 100% clear about this. Or they tried and they failed or they simply knew that they were going to fail so they just decide to go ahead and rob and do whatever they have to do in order to live illegally in order to survive. You see the issues here? Now, the reason I'm bringing all this up is the episode starts talking about the guy and, you know, Mr. Serial Killer. Again, remember that. He's like, yeah, when I was 14, I was arrested, but I was actually innocent. And I'm like, oh, God, they're going to go down that route. They're going to talk about what I just shared with you. Uh, no, no. Instead, the way this goes, and this is it's probably the closest to clever the episode actually gets. I was arrested, even though I was innocent. And you know what? I learned so much in prison, and it was amazing, and now I've had so much of a better life as a consequence of it. The very next thing he reveals character-wise is that he intends to murder, and I'm going to stress that word, everyone else on the shuttle. At this point, I remind you that includes Tucker, in case you need someone you care about, in order to cover his own escape. And he is amazingly blasé about it. Even when Archer brings up the idea that they can bring them along, his response is, we've already talked about this. There's no negotiation. These people are dying. I'm going to kill these people. Okay. So on the one hand, the topic is gone and the nuance is gone. But on the other hand, at least you surprised me with that episode. Is that something? <laughs> so anywho. Um, there is a nice tidbit. I'll give the episode this. How heavily armed is it? Oh, it's nothing. We could crush it like a bug. Okay. And so they do, and they replace the shuttle. Cool. So they try to have the big escape plan, and it fails. And I remember sitting here. I was actually sitting in this very chair, because, you know, I watched the episode and then immediately hit record. That's, that's my process. And I'm sitting here, you know, just lounging. I'm in uniform, because I want to be ready to go. 
And I realized that was the exact moment I completely stopped caring about the episode. It's like Tucker does his thing where he, where he manages to take out a Nausicaan with a single hit from a wrench. Not even to go into that. And takes way too long and is dumb about how he tricks him. I, I figured he was going to shoot, you know, get him to touch a live wire or something. No, he hits him over the head with a wrench. Actually, it's not a wrench. It's a, uh, it's a cuff, which is even sillier if you think about it. So, okay, sure. And then the plan fails, and then they don't immediately shoot Tucker, even though they probably could have. And Mr. Whalen's character decides to jump in and intervene in order to save the guys who are going to get him killed, a topic that could have been interesting if it was ever explored, along with his connection to Tucker, which is also never explored. And instead it's just played for laughs, because of course it is. And then they just sit there like... And then Archer rushes right back in to the cockpit. Now, what should have probably happened is Archer rushes in, checks the cockpit, and says, yeah, no, this is over, and then leaves. But instead, he stays behind and says, oh, I'll be right with you, Tucker, go. Why does Archer stay behind? Now, we know the answer to this. The answer is because he needed to be behind so he could have the one big climactic fight with serial killer guy in order to try and have the big final battle of the thing. So that's really boring. And then they fight, and they fight, and they fight, and they fight. And then, even though they've been told twice at this point, we've really got to go, it's too late, they then, Reed shows up and is like, for the third time, we really got to go, it's too late, and so he finally leaves. The guy stays behind to die. Again, it would have been interesting if they tried to flesh out his character. He has this line, I won't go back. And you almost feel bad for the mass murderer. Now, in fairness, he only was attempting mass murder. He didn't succeed. You know, attempted murder. What do they give Nobel Prizes for attempted chemistry? And then at the end of the episode, the the officials who have been completely complicit, or compliant, excuse me, compliant this whole time, Archer gives this big, I'm superior to you speech. You know, this big aggravated speech to the guy. It's not even a big speech. It's like two lines of dialogue. Ah, you're dumb and you suck. Like, it's the big denouement of the episode. And the guy is, of course, appropriately humbled. And the whole thing comes across as Archer is right, capital R. It's worth noting, I agree with Archer here. It just pisses me off, because the way this is presented is so... not. This is 40 minutes of filler. 44 minutes of filler. And I'm amazed I've had this much to talk about it, but it is my job to try and do what I can to dissect and analyze it. I'm trying to get better about this. I'm trying to get it better about going down the list of why I think an episode is boring and has nothing to talk about. So here's my answer to that question. What do you think? Feel free to jump in the comments and analyze why I am so boring as I'm talking about why the episode is so boring and we could just kind of loop around and... <sighs> I can't think of what it's called. Uh, Ouroboros. Ouroboros. There we go. We can Ouro Ouroboros this. <sighs> oh my gosh. I hope you have enjoyed, guys. I'll see you next time.